The Island Digest is a sampling of the stories in this week's Journal of the San Juans, Islands Sounder, and Islands Weekly, which are on newsstands now. This is Caleb Summers. The September 7th edition is brought to you by Orcas Island Healthcare District. Headlines from the week of September 7th, 2022. A brand new prune alley. Island Haven gives animals new lease on life. Lopez Island School is getting an electric school bus. Plus, choice excerpts from the sheriff's log. And now, in local headlines. From the Island's Sounder, a brand new prune alley, by Toby Cooper. Summer solstice, 4th of July, East Sound loves a parade. But on Thursday, September 1st, an exuberant town threw down one that has been four decades in the making, roundly cheering Prune Alley's total makeover and long-awaited return to normalcy. The collective sigh of relief was not misplaced. Beginning last March, the final construction phase of the project hunkered down in the heart of East Sound like an enormous, unwelcome troll that soon acquired a life of its own. Dirty of face, body draped with orange mesh fencing, and stretchy yellow tape that flapped in the wind, the beast overwhelmed the tiny community and unceremoniously gobbled up the 2022 season of tourism. Remarkably, though, the troll took a bath and metamorphosized into something spiffy just in time for the ribbon cutting. Some 200 residents and visitors gathered at the School Road intersection in the waning sunlight of summer's final blush to mingle with county council members, public works personnel, Prune Alley contractors, a cross-section of East Sound's past and present volunteer community leaders, and community activist Grace Grantham. We decided Prune Alley deserved to be beautiful, said county council member Cindy Wolfe, who inherited the project but takes credit for compressing the construction phase from a proposed three-shoulder-season timescale into a single rip-off-the-band-aid summer. It is a street lined with sweet cottages and community gathering spots. And now you can reach these places on lit sidewalks during winter nights. Lead contractor Mike Carlson, himself a graduate of Orcas High School, justifiably boasted that the $6 million project met every milestone, finishing on time despite this year's notorious labor, supply chain, and ferry uncertainties. Carlson's team imported 1,185 tons of asphalt, laid down 900 square yards of brick pavers, and finished 3,500 linear feet of sidewalk. The design is beyond beautiful and will last for years, he said. With pride, Wolf honored a pair of advocates who made a big difference in how we think about access here on Orcas Island, Grace Grantham and Mona Evans. Each has made a lasting mark on the design elements of Prune Alley. Evans, an Orcas High School journalist, approached the county to point out that the new Prune Alley accessibility logo and parking signage were about to be painfully out of date, relative to the new energetic logo being phased in at the state level. Wolf held up the new sign for a roundhouse cheer, while Mona beamed next to her dad, Chris. 
Wolf relayed how Grantham's advocacy touches lives on Orcus every day. Visible in wider store aisles, accessible public restrooms, and even the push-button door opener at the Orcus Food Co-op. By 2018, Grantham began fiercely insisting that people understand what it means to build an accessible community. County engineer Colin Huntimer ultimately had the intersections and crosswalks redesigned. I've watched from the day they started, and now it's beautiful, Grantham told the sounder. It's wonderful. I'm so pleased. I'm really happy. And so East Sound got its parade. Really, more of a happy stroll down the 260-yard sweep of Prune Alley asphalt, already chalk-marked, shred the prune by local skateboarders. The mood was sublime. A tree was planted in Fern Street Park. The construction troll has lost its mojo. As the sun sank and the crowd dispersed, a lone pickup truck approached the school road intersection and stopped. The driver seemed confused, stopping again. After six months, no barricades, no orange cones. But then the new reality dawned. Prune Alley is open. And East Sound resident, husband, and father of three, Daniel Raymer, became the first to drive down East Sound's $6 million prize. From the Journal of the San Juan Islands, Island Haven Gives Animals New Lease on Life by Kelly Balcom Bartok The origin story for Island Haven Animal Sanctuary begins with a horse. The descendant of the Great Secretariat, Della was a thoroughbred racehorse born in the Chicago area March 1, 1994. As a young horse, Della remained in that area and was being trained to follow Secretariat's path as a racehorse. One day, she suffered a tragic career-ending injury. For many racehorses, an injury is not only the end of their career, it's the end of their life. Not Della. Della's owner, Chuck Thomas, had other plans. Nestled in the Pacific Northwest on a small island named San Juan, Della's family owned an estate with hundreds of acres of farmland. Della could recover from her injury and live out her life there in a quiet pastoral environment. In 1997, Della became an official islander and grew to adulthood surrounded by water, whether she knew it or not. Eventually, Della was joined by two horses rescued by Thomas's daughters from an unfortunate situation on San Juan. These equines became companions on the farm. For years, the trio were cared for and lived their lives relatively uninterrupted, surrounded by over 300 acres of property nestled just three miles west of Friday Harbor. The farm was surrounded by 52-acre Zilstra Lake, and more than 200 acres of open pastures and productive farmland with sweeping views of San Juan Valley. As time passed, so too did the owner of the land. An estate sale was initiated to sell the property. The horses would have to find new pastures. An ad was placed on Facebook, offering the animals free to a good home. At that time, Julie Duke was director of the Wolf Hollow Wildlife Rehabilitation Center, Duke saw the trio's Facebook ad and was immediately interested, thinking to herself, 
Yeah, there's got to be a way we could do this. Duke responded to the ad and began formulating a plan for how she could help these horses, along with two resident alpacas, allowing them the opportunity to live a good life somewhere on the island. One major challenge was that the horses had been living free on the farm for many, many years, with little or no formal training or work with humans. Moving them was proving to be quite an obstacle right out the gate. The animals would require training just to get them inside a trailer, and at the time there was no formal organization to take and care for the animals. Duke decided to form a non-profit, naming it Island Haven Animal Sanctuary, and set out to find these animals a forever home. Meanwhile, Zilstra Lake and the surrounding 300-plus acres of land was about to be sold to the Preservation Trust in three 100-acre installments at nearly a million dollars each. The 30-acre parcel that housed Della and the horses, stalls, barns, and assorted farm buildings was slated to be sold separately to help fund the larger land acquisition. Duke worked tirelessly, trying to find somebody who might buy the 30 acres, hoping this would allow her the time necessary to find homes for the animals. As luck would have it, mere days before the sale of the larger property was to occur, an Island Haven volunteer happened to ask her sister if she knew anybody that might buy the land and farm. The sister replied that while she didn't know somebody interested, she and her husband would be. Working closely with the Preservation Trust, the 30-acre parcel was purchased with the full support and understanding that the horses could stay and Island Haven would be permitted to operate on the property. I'm completely grateful to October Farms, says Duke. Because of them, Island Haven Animal Sanctuary has a place to operate, and our animals have a forever home. The sanctuary employs barn manager Bronte Cobb, who grew up working with horses before moving to the San Juan Islands a few years ago. After briefly involved with the whale watch community, Cobb found her calling working with Duke and the animals at Island Haven in 2019. Engaging daily with the sanctuary's horses for the past several years, Cobb is now certified by the Professional Association of Therapeutic Horsemanship International. This certification allows her to provide therapeutic services to all the equines housed at Island Haven. For Cobb, there is no greater joy than spending time with the horses a trait shared by Duke and the other volunteers who donate their time to the sanctuary. Volunteers are the backbone of this organization, adds Duke. Some of our volunteers are high school students, all the way to an 85-year-old. All are welcome. We only ask that people can lift 40 pounds and aren't afraid to get dirty. Duke says Island Haven is always looking for volunteers, especially weekday commitments, that's what we need most. The largest obstacle Island Haven faces are the rising costs of veterinary care and supplies, especially since COVID. Hay has been a real challenge, says Duke. Everything from diesel, baling twine, to fertilizer has gone up nearly 33%. Other expenses include professional vet and hoof care. Recently, Island Haven received a donation of a working John Deere tractor 
from a private donor with a matching gift from Microsoft, and the San Juan Island Rotary Club provided a partial grant to buy the sanctuary a four-wheel drive gator, which will make working on the farm so much more efficient. Operating since 2015, Island Haven Animal Sanctuary currently has 40 animals, 20 horses, 15 goats, 2 cows, 3 turkeys, and 3 barn cats. What we offer these animals is a greater quality of life, says Duke. We're here to foster compassion for animals. As a bonus, I get to see horses every day, she says with an infectious smile. Della passed away in March 2022 at 30 years old. She lived a full life on the exact farm that took her in as a young horse nearly a quarter century ago. It really all started with Della, adds Duke, and I thank her every day for this opportunity. This really is Della's farm. For more information about Island Haven, a sanctuary for equines and farm animals, visit www.islandhaven.org. From the Islands Weekly, Lopez Island School is getting an electric school bus. Lopez Island School District, LISD, will be starting the 2022-23 school year with a new electric school bus. The new electric school bus was purchased with a $325,000 grant from the Washington Department of Ecology that covers the cost difference between an all-electric bus and a comparable diesel bus. LISD was one of 22 school districts in the state that received funding towards an electric school bus under the program. $50,000 of the grant money, combined with grants from an anonymous donor, were used to install battery charging infrastructure. Opalco generously donated in kind substantial assistance in the form of an installed 225-kilowatt transformer in return for the opportunity to use, pending availability of suitable charging equipment, the bus and charging infrastructure as a learning platform for vehicle-to-grid, V2G, applications in which electricity can flow back to the grid when necessary to increase electricity reliability and reduce lower wholesale electricity costs. LISD Superintendent Ed Murray said, We are very grateful for Opalco's interest, participation, and support. The charging infrastructure installed now has been carefully designed to accommodate expansion for future electric school buses. The electric bus is replacing an aging diesel bus that has been fully depreciated out of LISD's transportation fund. Initially, the bus will be used for daily routes, but as new charging stations are added on the mainland, LISD hopes to take advantage of the fast charging capacity of the bus to use the bus for athletic events and field trips as far away as Seattle. The proposal was submitted by the LISD's electric school bus team, led by Transportation Director Terry Linneman, and including community members Kurt Fuller, Denny Jardine, Brad Buchanan, and former school board director Chris Greeson. The team has been meeting since April 2019 to explore the costs of an electric school bus and pursue grant opportunities. 
The school bus, manufactured by Thomas and with a Proterra electric drivetrain, is expected to be delivered the last week in August. SJH Electric, subcontracted by Proterra Energy, installed the charging infrastructure engineered to accommodate expansion as the district transitions more of its fleet from diesel to electricity. To address climate change and improve public health, Washington is adopting innovative policies across all sectors of the economy to create clean energy jobs and transition from fossil fuels to clean, renewable energy. Although Washington ranks among the leading states for electric vehicle sales, transportation is still our state's largest source of air pollution, including greenhouse gases that contribute to climate change. Continued electrification of our transportation systems will reduce air pollution, including greenhouse gases. The funds for the grant come from a settlement with Volkswagen to settle allegations that the auto manufacturer cheated on emissions testing. Each state manages its own portion of the settlement funds. Washington's Volkswagen settlement represents an unprecedented opportunity to make transformative improvements across Washington's transportation sector. The Department of Ecology's mitigation plan identifies electric school buses, transit buses, and ferries, along with electric vehicle charging infrastructure, among key investment opportunities to reduce emissions that improve public and environmental-slash-ocean health. The Departments of Commerce, Ecology, and Transportation are coordinating to invest in zero-emission technologies for our publicly-owned fleets and to expand our electric vehicle charging infrastructure network. These investments will reduce harmful pollution, address climate change, and generate financial savings in fuel and maintenance costs. For more information, find the link on the Islands Weekly website. And now, choice excerpts from the Sheriff's Log of San Juan County. On August 24th, an Orcus deputy responded to a fraud call in which the reporting party received a text message asking they click on a link to collect money. They did not, and reported it to the company that the text stated it was from. On August 25th, a deputy on Orcus was informed of a wanted person at the ferry terminal. The person was found, arrested, and booked into jail. A Lopez citizen witnessed a man throw a beer can out of a vehicle window. When deputies located and questioned the described man, he denied throwing any garbage. The deputy searched for it but was unable to find any beer cans in the area. A San Juan deputy responded to a hit-and-run accident at the ferry terminal. A motorcycle driver lost control, collided with a parked vehicle, and left the area without exchanging information with the victim. The fleeing driver was located and identified, and the case will be forwarded to the prosecuting attorney's office. On August 26th, Lopez deputies responded to a 911 hang-up call. Upon investigation, someone had accidentally dialed 911 from their pocket while mowing the lawn. A deputy on San Juan took a complaint from a citizen about the behavior of a Washington State Ferry employee. 
A statement was filled out and the incident will be forwarded. On August 27th, an Orcas deputy responded to a call of a suspicious container on North Beach Road, a plastic ammo box containing a toe strap, was collected and booked. On August 30th, a deputy on San Juan responded to a report of a juvenile using their parents' credit card when they were not supposed to. The parents did not wish to pursue criminal charges. A deputy on San Juan spoke with a citizen who stated trees had been cut down on their property without permission. The citizen will be attempting to resolve the problem with property management. This concludes the September 7, 2022 edition of the Island Digest. My name is Caleb Summers. This edition is brought to you by Orcas Island Healthcare District, which provides financial support to Island Health Primary Care Orcas. After-hours care for those in need of medical services is available by calling 360-376-2561. For more information, visit orcashealth.org backslash after hours. Thank you for listening to the Island Digest, a small sampling of what's in your local print newspapers this week. The Journal, Sounder, and Weekly rely upon advertising, subscriptions, and donations to support our mission of high-quality community journalism. To contribute, visit our websites or email publisher Colleen smith Summers at csmith at soundpublishing.com. Thanks for listening, and tune in next week for more news from San Juan County.